Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of our weekly Exploring the Parsha class with Rabbi Rebecca Schatz and Rabbi Matt Shapiro. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. It's so nice to be starting our podcast on such a cheerful and non-confining note where we can just spread out and breathe into this week's Parsha, which is Parshat Vayechi. Oh, thanks, Rabbi Schatz. Rabbi Shantz, is there anything you want to say by way of introduction about Hi, this Parsha? Well, I just think that it is really, um, it's interesting, similar to Chaye Sara, that it's a Parsha that talks about um, life, <clears throat> uh, but that it actually starts off with death. Um, and so there's, it's interesting to to know that the name of the Parsha has the word life in it. And yet the the beginning and end of this Parsha um, is very specifically about the death of, of two people. And what does that mean about our lives, right? That we are living life in between um, in between those moments, knowing that obviously there, there is an eventual end to our lives. And also that in, and I'm speaking a little bit about this tomorrow um, in my sermon, but there are also elements of death that that are are very are very much so rooted in life, both in those who are still living and also in how we memorialize the person who has died for their life. Um, so even in death, there there is lots of connection to uh, to life, and specifically in this parsha, we're really bookended by um, by death in seeing the ways in which legacy and life play out in between. <clears throat> I agree. Thank you. But that's not what we're talking about this morning. I know. But you asked me if I had an introduction. That was my introduction. Okay. It's a good introduction. Thank you. Um, We're going to be focusing in a little bit more. I mean, much of the Parsha is this deathbed scene with Jacob. And we're going to zoom in a little bit more on one uh, particular particular dimension of that that I think we've actually kind of referenced here and there as we've had conversations the past couple of weeks in terms of like the, the familial patterns and what we can do or are challenged to do in terms of breaking out of those. Um, so I'm going to move us through. So we're going to, I'm, I'm starting at the beginning of chapter 48 um, and I'm moving through the first part of Hold on one sec. It says, my name is Rabbi Schatz. Hold on. Rabbi, well, Rabbi Shapiro with Rabbi Schatz next year. There we go. That's much more accurate. I am a stickler, stickler for accuracy. Okay. Um, and I lost the I chapter. <laughs> okay. It's Thanks. Right there. You've been an enormous help. Okay, chapter 48. So uh, we know Jacob is is getting old. Wait, can you do the first, the last three lines of 47? They're the, they're the beginning of the Parsha. <laughs> I just want you to see this is where the Met part comes in. This is where the death comes in, which I was what I was just talking about. So these are the first, are the last, <laughs> the last few verses <laughs> The last few verses of this chapter, 
And just for those of you who are interested, I will be um, talking a little bit more about this tomorrow. But the idea of chesed ve'emet that comes around, in, especially in times of um, death and taking care of a dead body, it comes from right here, it comes from this week's Parsha. And it's the idea of doing something with loving kindness and with truth. Uh, but it's the way in which we talk about taking care of a person who has died. So I just wanted to point that out. And now, chapter 48. <clears throat> I wonder what the Orchayim has to say about the end of the <laughs> Okay, so uh, Joseph is told his father is ill. He takes his two sons, Menasha and Ephraim, with him. And just, if, if the, the order of those names sounds off to your ear, there's good reason for that. And that's part of what we're going to be exploring this morning. So Jacob is told, Joseph is here for you. Um, interesting to note in verse two, right? Yaakov is told and Yisrael is the one who summons his strength. Always interesting for me when which name for Joseph slash Yisrael is used. Um, Jacob then talks a little bit to Joseph, sort of passing on what we've come to know pretty well in, in terms of the larger Genesis arc. Um, God appeared to me in Canaan, said, I will make you fertile and numerous. Um, and then in verse um, five sort of makes an interesting move to say your two sons who were born to you will be, will be like as my sons, which is, which is interesting, right? The frame and Manasseh shall be mine no less than Reuven and Shimon. And you already see here the flip, right? In verse one, um, he brings Manasseh and Ephraim. Manasseh is the older of the two. Right. So conventionally, traditionally, Manasseh is the firstborn and he gets sort of the rights and privileges that the firstborn would get. But here already you see Yaakov saying Ephraim and Manasseh. Um, and sort of talking about, um, you know, what what happens in terms of just the the line of inheritance. Right. Rachel has died buried her there, et cetera. I'm just going to move us forward. And then in then this sort of unusual verse, verse eight, he sees Joseph's sons and Yisrael asks, who are these? Which seems a little bit odd in context, given that he was just talking about Ephraim and Menasha or Menasha and Ephraim, whichever you prefer. And Joseph sort of says, hey, these, these are my sons who you were just talking about, right? And Jacob says, okay, bring them here. Um, Verse 10, just this, this interesting um, descriptor hearkening back to his father, right? Uh, Yisrael's eyes were dim with age and he could not see, so he brought them close to him, um, just as Yitzchak, you know, couldn't see that well, which led to part of this whole mess to begin with. Um, and this really beautiful verse, verse 11, Yisrael says to Joseph, I never expected to see you again. And here God has let me see your children as well. Just this really. So great. So great. Rabbi Schatz and I don't agree on much, but we do agree that this is a really beautiful verse. Um, and Joseph uh, removes them from his knees, bows low. And Jay, and so now here we're, we're getting a little bit more into what we're going to be talking about. And what's today, known. what? And what's known? People will know the next piece. Apparently, everyone knows this next piece. Is that what's happening? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Joseph takes the two of them. He takes Ephraim. Right. He's he sort of he sort of sets everybody up. 
he puts Ephraim on Jacob's left and Menashe, the older, on his right, right? So the the right being the more, the stronger hand, which as a lefty, I'll try not to take too personally. And a lefty here. We're both lefties. We're both lefties. Does that explain anything? Probably. Okay. Um, sets it up so that Menashe will be the one um, who gets the, the primary blessing. But Israel switches it up on him, right? He takes his right hand, the hand of sort of primary blessing, and places it on Ephraim, the younger's head. And he takes his left hand and puts it on Menashe's hand, right? So, so Joseph is setting it up in a certain way, and Jacob is then then mixing, right, doing the remix on it. Um, and uh, then Yaakov gives these beautiful words of blessing. Um, the God in whose ways my father Abraham Isaac and walk, the God who has been my shepherd from my birth to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all harm, bless the lads, and then may my name be recalled in the name of my father's Abraham and Yitzchak. May they one day, may they be teeming multitudes upon the earth. There's a beautiful song. Uh, Rabbi Schatz will sing it as we close. Um, we are running a bit late to get through the verses, so I will not torture you by singing it. It's now. also just, oh. you. Mm-hmm. most people wouldn't recognize it from Simchat Torah when we sing to our children when they come up for the children's aliyah. This is the blessing that we bestow upon them with the tune that I guess I will be singing at the end of class. Yeah, Rabbi Shatz will sing at the end of class. Okay. Now, at long last, we have made it. Here are the verses that we're actually focusing on this morning. Good job. We made it. Fist bump. Okay, good. We are going to be focusing on chapter 48, verses 17, 18, and 19. Okay, giddy up. Vayar Yosef ki yashit aviv yad yamino al rosh Ephraim vayera be'enav. Joseph sees that his father is placing his right hand on the head of Ephraim. Again, who is the younger son who should not be getting the strength of that hand. And it was, it says here, he thought it wrong. It was bad. It was bad in his eyes. And he took hold of his father's hands, he sort of raised up his dad's hand to take it from off of Ephraim's head to put it on Menashe's hand, right? He's, he's, he's like trying to get his dad to do things the way he thinks they should be done or is maybe thinking, oh, my dad's confused. He doesn't really know what should be happening here. I'm, I'm just going to like help him out, right? So there's, there's an interesting question here and the, the commentators get into this question. Is it that he's trying to help his dad uh, do things the way he is sort of thinking his dad wants to do them? Or is he saying, wait a minute, I see what's going on here. It shouldn't be this way, right? So there's some conversation about that. Bayomer Yosef El Aviv, Lo Chen Avi, says to his dad, it shouldn't be this way, Dad. Shouldn't be this. I'm turning on the light. It shouldn't be this way. Um, make it so that your right hand is on the eldest's head. And then there's this this really interesting verse. Vayimaen aviv. That verb might uh, might might ring a bell for you. Um, his father objects. His father said, uh, refuses. Vayomer yadati vni yadati. I know, my son. I know. 
כי גם הוא יהיה לעם וגם הוא יגדל. He too shall be a people and he too shall be great. ואולם אחיו הקטון יגדל ממנו. But indeed, his younger brother, so Ephraim, will be greater than him. His offspring will be many nations, will be, will be plentiful, will be plentiful nations. So a few comments um, on these verses. I'm going to try to try to zoom out just a bit. Oh, yeah, there we go. So people can see all of them together. There we go, 17, 18, 19. Um, I think they're really interesting verses. I think there's a few interesting pieces here. I mean, for, for those who have blessed sons, as I often do, uh, we say, right? God should make you like Ephraim and Menasheh. So just, just as Jacob, right, we, we carry that until today. This is still when we bless um, sons. Traditionally, the words that we use are in this order, even though Menashe is, is the elder, we still lead with Ephraim. And in terms of what I would offer up as sort of my initial read of these, I think there's some really interesting conversations to be had around, given the patterns that have been to this point now passed down in this family, right, that Yishmael was older than Yitzchak and that got all funky and Asa was older than Yaakov and that was really challenging. And now Yosef, who was, yes, the oldest son of Yaakov's favorite wife, but certainly not the oldest son was placed as the, you know, the, the favorite child and all of the drama that we've been reading these past few weeks that has come because of that. Um, is this a course correction, right? Is Yaakov, the way I read it, or I'm trying to read it, I think I'm reading it, is that Yaakov is saying, um, tr- trying to sort of correct this a bit, trying to say um, there can be simultaneous blessing and it's okay that it's not the elder and there's, there's intention um, behind this. I want to read, I think just one one. Um, quick quote. I was so. This is a book, uh, "The Beginning of Wisdom." It's uh, a good title for a book, "The Beginning of Wisdom" by Leon Cass. Karen, is he related? Hey. Yeah, Karen, is he related to you? No relation. Karen's not sure. Or Karen walked away. Or Karen, Karen couldn't take any more of me talking. Um, I don't think so. All right, maybe, maybe it's Karen's <laughs> long lost second cousin, first removed. Um, he says Joseph the son because he considers himself the last founder. So he's talking about this idea of, of the family has been built and Joseph seeing himself as the one who has really like cemented the family structure. Joseph, the son, precisely because he considers himself the last founder, has suddenly become the conservative, whereas the old man has seen the necessity for renewal. So I think that that's a really interesting idea, that even though it's the end of Jacob's life, even as he is dying, he's saying, no, 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 things actually aren't set yet. And there's still some fluidity and there's still some flux um, within our family system. The last thing I'll say that I just noted linguistically as I was reading through these verses is that we don't get Jacob's name, either of Jacob's name in these three verses. He's only referred to as um, my father. I don't quite know what to make of that, but I think it's interesting. 
This was the exact piece of toilet that I used for a baby name in this past weekend. How'd it go? Um, good. I'll share what I thought after we take some who she Um, okay. Who she Anybody have any questions? Yeah, Denise, go ahead. Okay, so I was actually thinking about this like for the last week or so because in one of the classes it came up about blessing children and it got me thinking about blessing children. <laughs> and so <laughs> um, so when I was a kid, we learned that the reason that you give this blessing to children to be like Ephraim and Menashe is because there was no jealousy between them that, you know, there's no outburst from Menashe that like Yosef's looking out for them, but Menashe is totally cool with it. And so what it made me think about is that it's like from the beginning in Brashit up until now, there's all these sibling and parenting issues. So like the first ones we see like kind and have kill each other and the parents like don't even know about it. Yeah. And then, and then the next family we see is Avraham and he kicks one kid out of the house and they hate each other forever. And then the next one is Yaakov and Esav and they don't get, he doesn't get kicked out, but he steals the blessing into, but each one is a little less awful than the previous one in terms of dysfunction Mm -hmm. until finally they get to this place where they don't have that rivalry and jealousy. And because rivalry and jealousy was the theme for all of them. Yeah. And so they've gotten to a place where somehow they're doing things a little better each generation. Yeah. That's, that's very, it's very astute. And I think that, um, it is, bless you, Megan. Um, it's interesting that, uh, that she stays. <clears throat> it's interesting that the, <clears throat> the aspect of this particular blessing is both equal and unique. And that, and what you're showing is that that is not just based on what Jacob wanted to give, but also what they were, um, capable of and supposed to be receiving that their relationship actually um, warranted that kind of blessing. Whereas Jacob and Esau, maybe not so much, definitely not Cain and Abel who didn't receive any blessing. Um, That's very interesting. I have thought about the, the um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the, the, the change over time of sibling relationships, but never, never how that, played its way out into this kind of blessing. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, Renee. So two things occurred to me. One is, um, was he, was Joseph trying to do retribution for all the other sibling stuff that was occurred, that had occurred prior to his, um, by, by making that switch, even though his father didn't. And is there an element of, um, not really respecting his father but, and going against what his father was doing. Interesting. Yeah, good. Very good question. Does that play into this at all? Yeah. Good. Very good question. Uh, Michael. Welcome back, Michael. Thank you. Um, well, I, I think that you. Uh, you have to also uh, look at the fact that this is the first time where you have this sort of deathbed scene and every, and he had, you know, Jacob had blessed all of his children. It's sort of different. It's different in many respects. And and then, you know, as a as a pediatrician, 
retired, that, that is, myself, I think of the fact of the grandparent, I think a lot about this uh, when, I, when I come across this, the grandparent blessing the grandchildren as opposed to the yeah. Uh, the uh, the parent right. blessing the children are the are the are the I would say the grandparent you would say well you you would think as a as a grandparent you would want to see your children succeed and and be good and all of that but in fact um, I, I think uh, it's interesting to contemplate the fact that the grandparent. Mm-hmm. is blessing the grandchildren okay yeah. and and what that means in terms of of how families um uh are created how how family history is created how values are passed on etc yeah I, uh, I you made me think about the fact that later on in the parsha <clears throat> jacob then does bless all of his kids but how well, interesting well, it well. whatever talk to all of his kids um but how interesting it is that this happens before that that yeah. it's out of order right that the grandchild the grandchildren come first and then um and then his own children yeah right and really? I, I yeah and i think that you know that tells you something about uh the importance of uh not just in imbuing values but also the difference between uh what a parent's parent role is and what a grandparent role is yeah yeah and also the different kinds of blessings that can be given from those different characters in a family right what it what it means to have a grandparent tell you something that is different sounding and also feeling to the person receiving it uh, than if a parent gives it to you and the modeling, right? The modeling that Jacob, I'm not sure that Jacob actually knew this or was doing this for this reason, but, but the modeling that Jacob is doing by giving Joseph's kids a blessing that if we believe that we give that blessing now as a result of Joseph. Oh, sorry, Jacob giving that blessing to his children that we would assume that then Joseph continued giving that blessing to his children. Um, any other, any other also, questions? Yeah. I also think that, you know, often the parent has to, you know, uh, uh, provide order and a, and a sense of uh, responsibility. You know, I, I'm thinking of Rabbi Shapiro and how he has to discipline his kids, etc. I knew I've been forgetting something. Order and responsibility. And the difference between uh, conditional love, you know, a a, a, a a grandparent can sort of give unconditional love versus conditional love. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, it's uh, that's sort of an interesting right. concept or question to consider. Sure. I mean, yeah, I, I I wouldn't describe my love as conditional. I think no, right? but your but, kids might. Your kids might because of the rules in place. You right. know, your kids I think might think of it that way until later on. You know, yeah, hopefully. well, it's it's simpler, right? I think the love of a grandparent. My under my understanding of it, and I'm not in a rush to have grandchildren anytime. <laughs> um, but my understanding, yeah, no, right. to that life stage. Um, it's the best. Yeah. So Renee, so Renee, I can't speak to it, but my understanding in talking to grandparents, including my parents, who are now the way that works is their grandparents, 
um, is that it's it's simpler, right? You can you can just sort of love your grandkids in a way that that is simpler than than raising your own kids. And so I think it is interesting, Michael. I think you're you're it's it's emerging as an interesting idea that had never occurred to me before that, particularly in a family that has become such a fraught system, right? Before we get to the the blessings. And the reason I put blessings in quotes when it comes to what Jacob says to his kids, some of them are very nice things. Eh, not all of them are very nice things. They're true things. They're, they're true things. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. But, but particularly in such a fraught family system, it's interesting given what we're naming in terms of the just differences between a parent child and a grandparent grandchild relationship. It's like maybe there's something to the fact that, that these words, you know, we, we got, we can do this first. Right, we we can we can do the grandchildren first. That's a little easier. Oh, all right. Now gather around, gather around, everybody. Dad's got some stuff to say, right? But but we did the 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 grandfather grandkid stuff first. Any other um, questions? Any other kushiot? I'll just share my thing, and then you can go on your mental spiritual health journey. Um, We're all on a mental spiritual health journey, Rabbi Shots. That's nice. Um, so my my take of this verse and just this this general kind of moment in the canon is that I actually think that this shows a real change of what blessing means in our Torah. I think up until now, blessing has been very conditional, to, to use that word again, in terms of you're the oldest child, you receive this blessing, um, or you are the boy, you receive this amount of land. Um, and some of that continues on, obviously, until the time of, of our rabbis. But there there's so much that is wrapped around the relational blessing up until this moment that is kind of stipulated based on society is not really what you want to say or what you want to give. It's very much so these are the rules you follow and this is how you give blessing. This is really the first time that we see a person giving a blessing based on who they think should receive it and what they think they should be receiving. And so that. Um, the the language here of um, yadati veni yadati is like, I, I know how it was supposed to be. And I know that I was supposed to give the the better blessing to the older child. But that's not how I see things. And I think the younger child needs a little bit more blessing or needs a little bit more support or whatever. And and then Jacob does that. And I I think this is such a tender... Really? I think this is such a tender moment um, that that just shows that when you when you really know a person, when you really care for a person, you 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 share with them that which you hope for them, not which, you know, society thinks that that they should um, they should be given or what they or what they should achieve. So I, I really love this moment. That was what I said to the baby uh, at the baby naming. Hello, baby. Um, I just, I think it's, it's a way for us to bless our kids. It's a way for us to give blessing to other people in our lives. Um, you really have to have a relational connection with someone before you can say, this is my blessing to you. Uh, Renee and then Rebecca. That's lovely. 
I don't, I don't think that at all is what's happening here, but that's very lovely. Thank you. Do you think he did it because he felt that he hit that hit that that grandson was more in need of emotional uh, support? Well, we don't. He doesn't really say anything that that shows any kind of um, like tangibles around what the blessing is, right? There's nothing that says, oh, you you need a little bit more strength or you need a little bit more courage, right? There, those things aren't said, but I'm I'm using it a little bit into what I, what I think it could be uplifted to be in today's world, which is I teach a class of 21 sixth graders and I give them all the same quiz, but the way in which I approach their answers and the way in which I approach even their just taking of that quiz is very different based on what I think they need and um, how they should succeed. So that, that that's what I think is is happening here um, in that relational moment. You can keep laughing at me. I completely- I'm not laughing. And, and Rabbi Shapiro doesn't isn't pointing uh, hooking up to the emotional mental health piece of it. No, I just, I don't think that's what's happening in the verse. I think it's a lovely idea. I just don't think it's what's happening. I think, okay. I, I think because if you look at the verse, I'm known for my disciplined nature when it comes to these things. Um, I, I don't, I don't see it as predictive. I, I, I don't see it as him saying, I think this is what this kid needs. I think it as him saying, this is what's going to happen. Well, that's so, two sides of the same coin. If if it's if this is what's going to happen, then he's going to need these things to make it happen. So when it says here, his younger brother will be greater than he. Well, if the other kid got the blessing that was going to allow him to be greater, then that doesn't allow the person who is going to be greater to have that which he needs to succeed. I, so I think that what? it says here that one of them is going to become a people and that one is going to be great. The person, the one who is going to be great is going to need the strength and the support to actually become great. So if he believes that he's going to be great, then we should be giving him the support to do so. Uh, now he's lost me completely. Okay. Rebecca, go ahead. Um, I, I, what I want to say is really related to what Michael said and to what you said, sort of it's somewhere in the middle and it's um, what I like in these, in this setup is the, um, is the way Joseph speaks to his father, um, which is really very um, typical, where the parent is telling the grandparent, you don't know what you're doing. This kid is needs this or this. And, you know, I've done that. And I've been corrected, too, by my parents saying, we know, you know, we know what we're doing. And I think that that is kind of, that is a little tender because he's saying, no, I know your kids and I know what I'm doing. And um, I'm, you know, I'm doing this on purpose. And um, I kind of like that because I've seen my mother do that to her mother. And I felt myself doing it. And I, you know, it's sort of this, um, it's an ongoing thing that we always, the parent thinks they know more than the grandparent. And sometimes they do, but sometimes (laughs) they don't. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Michael, was this a, a new hand? Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I think um, I, I, I like to think of also the multi-generational aspect of this uh, because, you know, um, in the old world, children 
frequently were raised with multiple generations, perhaps in the same block or in the same or nearby and, you know, great grandparents and grandparents and parents. And then in this and and then so often as if you go back, if you come up to this time, frequently grandparents could be, you know, I think it's interesting to think about this, at least grandparents could be across the country or in some weird place like Texas or, uh, <laughs> or whatever. And, uh, and, and so uh, it's sort of interesting that, you know, without the grandparents, they, and they have a unique ability to provide some influence. And I would agree with uh, Rebecca that, that frequently the parents want to know that they know better. And, and, you know, grandparents have to have to be very careful in these, to me, I've, you know, my wife will tell me, don't say this or that, or, you know, and remind me. But I mean, I think the inter, the multi-generational aspect of this, because uh, that, that it's, it, it's interesting to ponder this in, in terms of uh, the meaning, uh, perhaps. Yeah. Thank you. Denise. So just a question, um, like down the road in later days, do we have any stories that play out where Ephraim's descendants are particularly great? Uh, stories? I mean, because weren't they, even they're in like the 10 tribes that get wiped out in the north. So like, where's the greatness? What what happened? Yeah, I, you, you can answer this one. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I can think of any stories that prove any type of greatness. I mean, what what we know about Menashe is that, and I think the Torah looks kind of askance at it, is that Menashe winds up being the tribe that's like split half and half across the Jordan, right? Which I think the Torah, my understanding historically is that like the Torah is not thrilled about the two and a half tribes that are like, no, 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 we're good. We're going to stay out here. Um, whereas Ephraim goes, goes all the way in, right? So I think, and Denise, you're right, that both Ephraim and Menashe, when it comes to like later, later on historically are, are both part of the 10 tribes that, that are part of the, the Northern Kingdom. So there's not necessarily a, right, um, Menashe gets, gets wiped and Ephraim is one of the two that sticks around. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll use that as just sort of a brief jumping off point to say that, you know, I, it, it might be two sides of the same coin. I, I do see it as different. I don't think it's that Yaakov is looking at them and, and saying, I really know the two of you well. And so here are therefore the blessings that I'm going to give you. I see it as he kind of like has a sense. I mean, I was reading, so shame on me for claiming to have this framed as mental health and spiritual growth and to have not yet brought in any of Eva Zornberg over the course of all of Breesheet. So, so sorry, Dr. Zornberg for not uh, bringing you in earlier um, because her, her sense of the literary nature of the Torah um, and sort of the emotional ramifications of it, I think is as astute as anyone who's ever written on it. Mm -hmm. Um, And she cites she she talks a lot about kind of like the the blindness and the seeing right like when i was scanning through the verses you saw how 
Yaakov is very intentionally referred to as not being able to see well, and yet sort of balance that with like, there's a deeper kind of seeing (laughs) he's able to do. Um, And, um, oh, I've been sharing my screen this whole time. Um, Going back up just briefly to verse 14, um, she highlights what a number of the commentators highlight that in this phrase, uh, Sikhel at Yadav, that this, nope, that this word, um, Sikhel, the verb also has the, it's, it's the same as like Sechel, right? As like intelligence, that there is like something, you know, implicitly wise in what he's doing when he does that. Mm-hmm. So, maybe it's two sides of the same coin, maybe it's not, but I guess I see it less as he sees who these two grandchildren of his are, and therefore he has a sense of, like, this is what this one needs, Mm -hmm. and more as he kind of has this intuitive sense of this is what's going to happen, Mm -hmm. and this is a part that I I know is me drashing on it, um, that for me it's not just about him seeing what will be, but also him having some kind of corrective sense of like what has been happening and that there's something in him doing that, that is like both what will happen and also like correcting what, what has been, but it's my sense of it. Yeah. Renee. I also found it interesting that, Unlike with um, Jacob and Esau, when they went before the father and he wasn't seeing very well, they they had to physically manipulate the environment so that he distinguished between the two boys because he felt fur or hair on one of them's hands, right? Yeah. But in this case, they said he doesn't see very he doesn't see very well also, but yet he was somehow able to distinguish between the two grandsons. I right. found that interesting too. Like, how did he know which one was Menashe and which one was Ephraim? Yeah. Exactly. And, and, and the fact that Joseph, right, the when it comes to Joseph, right, that Joseph sees that it's bad, right? Is that, is that because he doesn't like what's happening? Or is that because he, he thinks his dad is doing it wrong? Right. right? And so he tries to, to your point, like, Jacob did something physically to trick his dad. Now Jacob himself has a sense of what he wants to do. And Joseph physically tries to change it. But Jacob actually says, no, no. Right. I know my son. I know I'm, I'm, I'm doing this on purpose. Right. It, there, there's, there's a whole bunch of reversals like right. happening simultaneously in this scene, like literally it's just, um, I think, I think really, really striking, really, really interesting. No. Um, Renee, I, I also, it hadn't occurred to me, I think this is related, it hadn't occurred to me um, until you asked the question about, like, is, is, what, is what Joseph's doing here, like, a disrespectful thing? I thought that was a really interesting mm-hmm. question, too, right? Is it, is it his sort of lingering favoritism? Is it the ongoing pattern happening in Brasheet that, like, the, the kids sort of keep pushing back against the parents in some kind of way, right? Like, is, is this, I, that hadn't occurred to me before. I didn't necessarily see in that way. I'm curious. I'm curious if others had ever thought about it that way, but um, it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily something I had thought of, but nor is it something that I think is 
necessarily, you know, off base. Joseph, Rabbi Schatz and I disagree about the character. Rabbi Schatz apparently remembers this from last year, and and I don't. That apparently we also disagreed about how much we like Joseph uh, last year. Well, you just were very excited for Joseph to be over last year also. And oh, I that really, I was excited. No, I but, really like Joseph. But also, wasn't there something about how you, one of us likes, who, I, you love Joseph. And I think he's kind of snotty. So Snotty. Yeah. I'm looking up to see if it's the same language. I'm not sure that it is with um, Isaac and uh, Isaac, Jacob, and Asaph. I'm not sure that it's the same. I, it's the same English, but I'm not sure if it's the same Hebrew. So I'm, I'm just looking that up to see. Um, what I can find, but but he, I'm saying he, in spite of his physical vision difficulty, had another had another uh, avenue in order to distinguish between the two boys. It doesn't say in this yeah, yeah. case that he distinguished between the two of them in any form. Right. That's why I'm looking up because I wonder if the if the language of eyes being dim means actually two separate things. That's right. what I, that's why I'm looking it up. Oh, okay. I understand that as your question. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Can I do a different fun language? Yeah, yeah, thing? go ahead, go ahead. I have two fun language. You guys know I like a, know I like my fun my fun language things. So two fun language things. One fun language thing number one. Um, fun language thing number one is. Wait, can I just say I just uh, found it? Rabbi Shantz is ruining my fun again. <laughs> Sorry. Well, we're on the topic, so I'll just finish the topic. Okay. It's different language. Um, womp womp. So. So it says in 27.1, when Isaac was old and his eyes were too dim to see in English, but in Hebrew, it's Vayhi Kizaken Yitzchak V'tichiena Einav Meraot. And his eyes were like weakened or, um, I'm not sure how they would define the word Tichiena. Can you actually look it up on yours? I, I can't do it on the app. It's 27.1. I'll do it on yours. Oh, please. Don't worry. I got it. Well, you've um, taken over my office. <laughs> taken over. Um, wait, where did they go? Okay, there. Okay, let me, I'll just share the screen so you can actually all see it as well. Live parsing of words in real time here <laughs> on Exploring the Parsha. It's very exciting. Nothing more exciting in showbiz, folks, than live yeah, parsing of words. Week, it's also saying dim, um, faint, right? So that somehow there there are a lot of rabbis who say that he had cataracts, like very physically, just like his eyes were not as good any longer as <clears throat> as they as they once used to be. And then if we look at forty eight ten you with all of you here as well which is the verse that we were just talking about it's riveting television here <laughs> it's not television it's learning oh. um is that what we're doing uh is it kovdo or kavdo mm-hmm. excuse me kavdo means well it could be kovdo that's what i was asking yeah, um so this means that if they're actually heavy, right, or or somehow dull, or it, interesting that it says honorable and glorious, right? There's something very beautiful about he actually had more wisdom behind his eyes. They were heavy because of everything he had seen, uh, as goes, opposed to with the sechel, right? Yeah, yeah, but as opposed to Isaac, who the 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 um qualities around his eyes were actually somehow diminishing whereas this seems to be kind of actually lifting up oh i'm so glad we went down this rabbit hole made me very excited okay go ahead your turn 
I like that. What are you so excited? <laughs> I like that there's differences. I like that. That's that's so oh. that's so interesting. Well, I I too hope to have heavy eyes one day. Um, <laughs> good. That's, yeah, good. That's what I got out of that. Also. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, as long as we're going down the fun linguistics uh, portion of our our program. Um, Thing one, closely after, of course, but thing two, is that um, this verb vayit moch is very, very unusual. This idea of of lifting up the hand. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other time, from my uh, deep investigations, uh, that it shows up in the Torah is the scene when Moses's hands are getting weary. Huh. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that is interesting. When Moses's hands are getting weary and Aharon and Hur have to like keep his hands um, up in the air um, huh. so that B'nai Yisrael like that. can you know keep <clears throat> winning the battle against Amalek, which is like I don't I don't know quite how to. Parse that out as a connection, but that can be a a bonus question for all two and a half of our listeners at home. Um, And just the one other thing I'll highlight is this verb vaima'en, or as we saw it earlier in the Joseph story, vaima'en. Wow, Rodcliffe will be very proud. Um, And Zoom just asked me if I'm playing music, (laughs) which... Nope. It said set up professional audio in audio settings, which I feel like is this Zoom throwing some shade at me here. Like, Shapiro, take it easy. Why don't you set up some professional um Rambo shots is a very good time over here. Um but Rebecca is um oh my and also really enjoying it. Um so it actually shows up twice. Obviously, in our narrative. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. We're having fun. Um, So this idea of refusing. So refusing has come up twice before. The first refusal was when Jacob thought Joseph was dead, and he refuses comfort. He doesn't allow any comfort from his uh, from his kids or his family. So there was a refusal of comfort, um, and the other refusal, which I so beautifully sang uh, Zoom's shade nonwithstanding is one of the few shalshelets in the Torah, particularly kind of trope um, when Joseph refuses uh, the wife of Potiphar's advances um, to lie with her, which, you know, leads to the whole you know, next part of the story, thrown in jail, close every door to me, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then ascending into his role as grand vizier of Egypt. So this is, the third refusal, and it's just interesting for that one, two, three, right? There was a refusal of comfort. There is a refusal of impropriety. And now there's like a refusal in terms of, but something that is actually like, you know, like restorative yeah. and making whole. And um, so very each each one of them has, has refused once before in the story. And now there's like this sort of refusal um, on the deathbed, which I just think is is interesting to to play with a little bit hmm. yes renee <clears throat> um, going back to you. your going back to your word of the vietmoch yeah is it is it related to the word tamachti like when you contribute to tamachti ba yeladim shil you know the or tomchei shabbos yeah tomchei shabbos exactly 
which is the the pot. Yes, yes. The answer is yes. Did you have a did you have a follow up on that or it was no? I just wanted to know whether it was from the same shorish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, the idea of... Same uh, meaning of, you know, to contribute or to, like, with Don't Play Chavez. To lift up, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is more uh, a physical thing, I think, the, the way that you, that, that it's interpreted in this sentence is more of a physical lifting mm-hmm, up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Whereas when you tomech, your child, your tomech to your children's lives or growing up, it doesn't necessarily have to be a physical thing, but it can be just like contributing yeah. to their knowledge or their wisdom or whatever. Or yeah. with Tom Chavez, we contribute with the food we prepare. Sure. Okay. I have one more thought. I'm Go like, ahead. Do you, Go ahead. Do you have any other thoughts? No, I'm just, I, I really like this for you my end thing, and I was just kind of percolating on it, but you can go ahead. Do you think he'll have, do you think he'll percolate in time for a bow? I don't know. I thought I was singing as the bow. Oh, that's right. Rabbi Shantz is going to sing as the bow. I forgot. Now I'm excited. Should I set up professional audio no, first? No, you should do your last thing. Though. Set up professional audio. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so I was just saying at the beginning, you know, how even though Menashe is the oldest, we, we st- and here it's right, Ephraim who gets the sort of primacy of blessing. And just, just thinking about... Um, you know, when I bless my kids tonight, I will say, right, that this is a pattern that was set then and that we continue even today. And thinking about the process of tshuva and repair, right, this this was a family that was so really shattered and now is coming together. Um, but, well, I mean, more than they were. Yeah, right? more than they were, I mean, yeah. more than they were. And we were going to look at a verse where the brothers were scared that Joseph is going to take revenge on them after Jacob dies right, right. and he doesn't. Right. right? Like there's yeah. re- restored. doesn't mean wiped away. Right. right. It doesn't it doesn't mean that things didn't happen. Like mm-hmm. things still happened. Um, and to that point that the process of chuva of repair isn't just something that happens like presto bingo. Now it's gone. Right. It's something that can require ongoing repair and that lessons that are learned from that are often lessons that need to be learned over and over again right mm-hmm. it's not it's not like passing a test right it's not like oh yep okay great chuva check done that it's something that there does need to be like continued reminders and continued learning around and mm-hmm. so thinking about that in terms of that we still give that that order when we bless our our sons I, I, I think to me, at least there's a, there's a hint of that in there, that there's continued learning, that there's something that there's that reminder, right? Remember this message in terms of what it is um, for sharing blessings and not favoring your kids and making sure to, you know, say what you need to say, all the, all those kinds of things that we've been, you know, rightfully disturbed by over the course of these stories over the past few weeks, um, that there can be some ongoing reminder um, for the you know, ways in which we want to be building and sustaining and growing our families. That's so. really beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Rabbi. No, I really did like that. Um, <clears throat> do, should I sing it or do you want me to play it? I guess I can sing it. Yes. Maybe do an Very excited. Do an sing, part? sing, sing. No, you don't really have I to. will say that I first learned this tune. Where are you going? Too far up. I know. I'm trying to find it. Um... Uh, Tell the story. I'll find it. It's just that I first learned this um, when I was in Poland, actually, when I was 17 years old. And so whenever, whenever I hear this 
it makes me remember that fondly, just like a very powerful moment for me personally. So it has that additional resonance. Well, hopefully I will do it justice. I'll show you all the screens so you can see the words because you don't need to see my face while I sing. Um, okay, it's verse 16. Take a sing with me. Amala Hagoti Mikora Shapiro and I um, were not as focused today as usual. I was um, as focused as I always am. But the next two weeks, that's actually fair. Um, the next two weeks, we are going to be doing only on podcast because the building is not going to be open. Um, and so staff are taking a little bit of time off. Um, so we will have the podcast, you know, the, the day of it'll still be available on Friday at 11. Um, but we will record it ahead of time, probably the day before. And, wow, this uh, this is our last that. one of 2021. That's insane. Whoa. Yeah. Um, but, Whoa. We, mm-hmm. but we will see you after those two weeks and, uh, hope that we get to see you over the course of Shabbat somehow. Um, just another fun thing to share and I will make sure this is still on the podcast is that January 1st at Temple Beth Am, not only do we have services, but we will have Chulent. So Chulent is coming back to Temple Beth Am January 1st, 2022. Uh, so we hope 2022, to see the year of Chulent. <laughs> the year of Chulent. The year of Chulent. Whether or not you want Shabbat services and spirituality or really yummy food in your belly, uh, we will, uh, we will see you there. So All right. Funny. See you soon. It's Shabbat terrible. Shalom. Thank you for being with us. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.